0: Um, are you ready? Yeah, Acts chapter two, verse one. It is for some people a awesome chapter, and for other people a scary chapter. So we'll let you decide. Uh, but I personally believe it is the single most important event after the death and resurrection. That's how important it is. Uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit. John 14, 15, and 16 show us very very clearly that Jesus was excited that when he departed, he was going to send his spirit. Hallelujah. And so, Acts chapter 2 is the arrival of the Holy Spirit. Here we go. Verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. One verse. That's where we're just going to start. The significance of this first sentence is huge. Uh, Old Testament, New Testament, how many of you know? They, they are not like two different gods, okay? Old Testament, New Testament, it's one God. We see the revelation of him that we can understand in this aspect as the schoolmaster, the setting up of everything so that when grace came, we would understand that the law couldn't, but grace could, okay? Same God. Right now, we're not under the judgments that many of them, uh, that they experience in the Old Testament because we're under grace. But there is a time when the very same God of, of the Old Testament that we see in judgment will be also the judgment of the end of the earth for all those that have rejected it. So, you see, it's all synced together. Um, Pentecost was their celebration time in which the Israelites would bring to God the first fruits in... Of their harvest, and they would honor him with the first fruits in expectation that a bountiful harvest would follow. Okay, so the first fruits—you know what? You know, you know in your, if you got a garden, it's when you go out there, so excited, and you pick those first couple of tomatoes, right? It was—it was an expectation of what was to happen, and so like the Passover and Exodus to the Jews, uh, the symbolism of what that was is what we now have. For everybody through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then you add to that Pentecost, which represents the first fruits of a great harvest. So Jesus died. In alignment with the Passover, right? We understand that? He died in alignment with the Passover because he represented what what now every believer needed to understand. And that was that the blood of Jesus was the covering whereby salvation would be applied into anybody's life, okay? But then 50 days after that is the celebration of Pentecost. And in, in what we see is that it was the Holy Spirit's arrival upon the 120, the believers that had gathered together. <clears throat> they were, you might say, the first fruits. And their offering of prayer and their commitment was what was setting in motion the next thing that was about to happen. And that is literally what I would call an explosion of the Lord's work And so much so that 120 turned into thousands in one day. The first fruits produced the first harvest in one day. So, uh, a couple of things you have in your notes. Salvation began with Jesus' death and resurrection, right? Amen? Amen. Everybody believes that, right? So, salvation began with Jesus' death and, and his resurrection. The church began with the Holy Spirit's empowerment. Now, I am not Jewish, born a Gentile. But I thank God for the Passover and the Pentecost nearly 2,000 years ago because it transcends the Jewish nation, all right? I may never, and I'm glad not to have sacrifice in hopes that that blood of that lamb might do something for me, but man, I can grasp that the blood of Jesus Christ is the forgiveness of my sins and that the Holy Spirit's arrival was the empowerment of God to be able to do what God has called us to do. Now, the other important thing that's in that very first line, the very first sentence that we read out of Acts is that they were all together in one place. That phrase, they were all together in one place. I touched on this last week. Uh, I'm going to touch on it again. Very important that we understand. The one place is the simple part, right? Yes. That's, that's us right here. We're in one place. All you got to do is look around and you see us here together in one place. But all being here together does not necessarily mean that we are all here for one purpose. Okay? We can all be together without being here for the same reason. Um, you may be here today because it's Sunday and that's what you do. Sunday, you go to church. It's it's your tradition. That's a good tradition to have. All right. Uh, you may be here because you're just checking out the church. You know, you, if you were new or are fairly new, you may be you know here today just going well. Let's see what Center Bethel is like. And we're glad that you are, and we hope it's a good fit. You may be here because God is at work in this church, and you're identifying that, and you're and you want to be a part of a church where God is working, and. I bear witness with that and, and believe for that to be happening. But you may be here because, you know, you like the ministries that Center Bethel offers. There's there's something that that it fits you and ministers to your home. And I praise God that that's going on. But I gave you last week a Acts mission statement. And they'll put that back up there. During the course of our study of the book of Acts, I really want to hone your your focus in right there that my purpose in this church because see we can all come here for a different reason but the reality of it is is we need to get focused on the same thing we need to come into agreement because the prayer of agreement a bible teaches us is a powerful prayer I mean, God can do amazing things when people begin to pray in agreement. My purpose in this church is to disciple people into a relationship with Christ. Now, you may think, well, no, that's the pastor's part. No, your purpose in the church is to disciple people. And by discipling, that basically means that you are investing in one another. Okay, you're spiritually investing in each other. That might be a word of encouragement. That might be uh, you saying to somebody, hey, I'm praying for you. Whatever it is, but it is, it is involvement where iron is sharpening iron, and there is spiritually something given and spiritually something received. You're in the process of that. My commitment and prayer should be, Holy Spirit, help me help others. Help me help others. We are gathered together in one place. What we need to do is to add to that one focus. The mission statement is to sort of help us do that. Because here's the bottom line. If we do like the early church did, we will see that the work of God is exponential. The Holy Spirit's involvement, it it can just blow up. It can go beyond anything anybody was even imagining. So when you look around, okay, and I want you to look around for just a moment. There are families here, and we love that you're here. God bless you. But there are families here and people that you need to get to know. There are new faces. And one of the reasons why you really need to build and get to know them is this, okay? They are here, and I'm going to go out on a limb. They may not even know it, but they're here Whether they're checking this out for a little bit or whether they become a permanent part of our church. They are here because some of us have been praying, Lord, give us the lost. And you may not be here because you're lost. But you may be here because you're hungry for biblical truth. Or you may be here because you're passionate about Christ. And you want to be in a place where that passion is encouraged to, to be in the Lord. But I do believe that when I look around, and I don't know, because I love the bunch that's in here this morning. We need more people to actually come to first service. Because for the last two Sundays, the the second service is just very, very close to packed. And when you look at that, you got to stop and realize that that's just God. Okay? Because several of us have been praying, Lord, Bring in those that are hungry. Bring in those that are passionate. And bring us lost people. And I just, when every time I begin to visit with people, I begin to realize they sort of fit in one of those categories. Especially the hungry. There seems to be a lot of people that are looking for truth. They're looking for biblical, solid truth. Because they know that that's the only thing that changes your life. So, praise God. But so, I say all that to... To, to bring this to your point, can you imagine if, if every one of us began to pray this prayer, Holy Spirit, help me help others. Can you imagine what God would begin to do? You get a couple hundred people praying, God, help me help others. Wow. God will do amazing things. <clears throat> when the church unites... When it prays with one heart, the Holy Spirit is free to do what he is wanting to do. And that's what we want. We want the Holy Spirit to do what he is here on earth to do. All right. So now we go back to the scriptures. It says, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared on them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. All right. I told you, for some people, this is just, this just makes them nervous. Listen, this was an incredible experience. An incredible experience. And they did not know what was going to happen because they were waiting on a promise of the Holy Spirit. They were just waiting upon God to give them what he said he was going to give them, which was the Holy Spirit. And this was literally, folks, it was an unprecedented event that happened. And I I want you to follow me as as I try to explain some of this to you. There is a good reason. And if this is new to you, please don't toss it. Process it. There's a good reason why being filled with the Holy Spirit is often accompanied by what people called speaking in tongues or glossolalia. There's a good reason why. And that's because that's the way it started. That's what happened in Acts chapter 2. And it is a reoccurring pattern through the book of Acts. There's about five of them where you see it happen again and again. So it's not one isolated thing. It's a, a, a reoccurrence that happens through Acts. However, I am very much convinced that because the Bible does not say that you're not spirit filled, if you don't ever speak in tongues, then I want to tell you that I, I hold to the most definite proof of the Holy Spirit's in, in filling, and that is Galatians 5 22, The fruit, which is what? The evidence. The fruit, the evidence of the Holy Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. See those? Now, I'm, I'm, I'm simple and country. And I go with the philosophy. If it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck and looks like a duck, it's a duck. And I say that to you because I have been in this long enough that I know that When a person is full of the love of God, the joy and the peace of Jesus Christ, when they demonstrate patience and kindness and gentleness to other people, when they literally commit themselves to practice goodness and faithfulness and self-control in their daily living, folks, that can only be accomplished by the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit's power inside of you. You can't you can't demonstrate all of that in your own ability. Now, with that said, I'm gonna say something you may never have heard anybody say. If you are spirit filled, why don't you ask the Lord to do for you what Paul teaches in in, in the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians, and that is that that you have the ability to pray in your understanding and pray in the spirit also. Don't discount it. It is a God thing. All right. So imagine with me, here we go. The Holy spirit comes upon them in this amazing way, in a mighty way. But here's what we need to see. They are at, They are in love with the Lord. They have come together for several days. They are praying. They want to do his will. They were told to pray until the promise was given to them. And so the, here they are. They're gathered together. Uh, I am sure there is a, a inside of them, you know, how will we do the great commission? Can we actually can, how how in the world can this one hundred and twenty people in this room take the gospel all over the known world i'm sure there was a lot going on in there in this process, and then all of a sudden the power the the Bible says that the power of the Holy Spirit came like this this amazing whoosh into the room, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happened? They were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And they are transformed right there. Now, Jesus transformed me from a sinner into a saint. Hello? But the baptism of the Holy Spirit transformed them from fearful into fearless. From easily intimidated to bold. that's the reason why the Holy Spirit's presence inside of our life and inside of the church is so important. Because it makes us what we cannot be by ourselves. And man, what a transformation from Peter who would deny him three times to a guy who is about to stand up in front of thousands of people. And is going to look at them fearlessly and say, you crucified Jesus. That's a transformed man right there. That was what the Holy Spirit came and was doing inside of their life. So here's what matters. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm touching on things that might sound a little different. But I want you to I want you to get this because I think this is important. Because this was something I didn't understand when I was younger in the Lord. They did not, everybody listen, they did not gather together to speak in tongues. They gathered together to receive the promised Holy Spirit. Okay? I've lived through several decades of people who have, who have sought to speak in tongues instead of desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And what I have seen in the difference of that is if they do pray in another language, they seem to say, okay, that's it. I got it. That's wonderful. Where if they are actually desiring to be filled with the Holy Spirit, their lives are so transformed that they are now bolder and now I, 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 a believer that literally is standing on the promises and the word and saying yes Lord that's what your word says and yes Lord that's exactly what you'll do it is amazing how it transforms their understanding of scripture and God's will for their life you see they gathered together they were praying for the power of God to help them do the will of God you get that please get those blanks filled They were praying for the power of God to help them do the will of God. Because they were not able. And I I think everyone in that room knew they could not do what they were called to do. They could not fulfill the Great Commission. They could not go and take the gospel of Jesus to the whole world. Except that they had help from the Holy Spirit. What the church needs now is that same thing. You see, today, so many churches have pushed the Holy Spirit completely out. And they literally are trying to do church in their own flesh, with their own abilities, with some good ideas. And the result of that has been the churches in America are dying at such a rapid pace. Folks, if you look at stats it will, it will just blow you away at how many churches are closing and closing and closing. And how many churches are literally, their congregation is still in existence, but there is about 25 to 50 people and they are barely there. And they are making no imprint in their community. Why? Because we've gone with our own strength instead of the strength of the Holy Spirit. We're trying to do it in the flesh what ought to be done by the Spirit. We can't do what we're called to do except the Spirit empower us to do it. All right, now back to Acts. It says, Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia. Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. How many of you think I did pretty good with those pronunciations? Wow. Anyway, you know, if if, if you don't really know, you just say it faster. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? And others mockingly or mocking said they are filled with new wine. This is another part I think is a teachable moment. I want to share some things with you. I don't know if you know this. At last count, you ready? At last count, there are over 7,000 languages. Did you know there was that many? I did not. There's over 7,000 languages. And here's the crazy part. Every 40 days... A language disappears. Every 40 days, the last person who spoke that language passes away. And that language has become a dead language. Now, can you imagine all the years that we have been here upon the earth? How many languages have come and gone? How many languages that were a part of a family or village that when that village passed away, that that was gone? There is no telling how many languages there has been. So, that's the reason why I say to you, never worry about what the Spirit sounds like in another language. That's not your concern. What you do need to concern yourself about is this. This particular occasion, the phenomena of what God did, Bible gives us at least 16 languages were recognized by those that were there. God did something phenomenal to get the attention Of everybody that was there. God was ready to start evangelizing the world. The presence of the Holy Spirit was ready to explode upon the scene. And the best and most phenomenal thing that that could have happened. Happened right there. They heard people praising God in their own languages. Now that is not typical in any of the other biblical accounts. So that's not a mandate. Um, it has happened a few times in history, but just like the birth is initial to your life and it's never done again, right? Once you you come out of mama, you don't ever do that again. And then there's all these experiences that will happen after that. This was the birth of the church and it was phenomenal. It was unique. It was special. Um, Something that could not have been prearranged by anybody. Nobody could sit around and put together this idea and said, oh, let's kick off the church with something like this. No, this was a God moment. It was orchestrated by one and only the Holy Spirit. He did something absolutely amazing for every one of them. And, And he did it because... He wanted to draw all of this crowd's attention so that this first sermon, a sermon about Jesus and repentance, could be given to everybody. Now, what I want to draw your attention to is the response of those that witnessed it. There was a, a, a large crowd there. And the Bible says that basically two things. One was, what does this mean? <laughs> All right, good question. Anybody that's ever been around uh, something they didn't understand, you know, that's a good question. Well, what does this mean? What did this experience mean? I want to put that out in front of you. you ready? Whereas God had come down and become flesh and dwelt among them. The Holy Spirit meant that God was now abiding in them. That's better. That's better. Whereas Jesus had taught them many things. Now, Bible says the Holy Spirit would guide them into all truth. I mean, you got to stop and consider. There was a lot of things that the disciples heard and they couldn't really put it all together. They couldn't process. They didn't understand. But man, now the Holy Spirit would guide them into all truth. Whereas they had done some amazing things when Jesus said, All right, I'm going to send you out and I want you to lay hands on the sick and I want you to cast out demons. Though they had done some marvelous things under the authority of Jesus when they were sent out, now the the same spirit and authority that Jesus had when he was doing everything that he did was now inside of them so that they could do the things that Jesus had called them to do. Whereas the Great Commission would have been absolutely impossible for this 120. It was now doable at the end of the day when there was 3,000 plus. All of a sudden, they were like, oh, yeah. At 3,000 on the first day, I can only imagine how how, how quickly this is going to begin to move around the world. And one more. Whereas they were a half-scared group of people that were gathered together. Semi-hiding, you might say, in an upper room. Now they are boldly in the marketplace. They are right down in the midst of the people. And they are sharing their faith. That's the transforming power of the work of the Holy Spirit inside our lives. <clears throat> so, what does this mean? i like to answer that. It means everything. What's so important about the Holy Spirit? Everything. Because that is the reason why Jesus was excited that they were going to get this after he left. That's the reason why he was, in, he was adamant. Do not try to get going until you have been empowered with the Holy Spirit. Because you can't do what I've given you to do except I do it through you by the Spirit of God. So if that's true, then I have to ask this question. Why would we want anything less today? Why would we want anything less for our church? Why would we want anything less for ourselves than to say, God, you by your spirit did this. You by your spirit do it now in us. So I want to revisit those same points and get them a little closer to home. None of us were here when Jesus was here. I can't tell you what he looks like. was here, didn't see him. But the same spirit that raised him from the dead is in you. Yes, that's here. The same spirit same. is in you. I did not get to sit at his feet. I did not get to listen as he explained things. I didn't sit there puzzled when he got done with a parable going, what does this exactly mean? I don't get it. I didn't get those things. But now, by the Holy Spirit, I can, underst- I can understand what he wants me to understand. You, by the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, can know everything God needs you to know. Amen. revelation of the Spirit of God, when you read the Bible, can take you into everything he needs you to know. By the Spirit of God, we have the power and the authority that Jesus had. He said what? He said, you will go out and do these things. You will go out with this authority. You will go out. Folks, I'm telling you, we're we're dumbing it down because we're a little bit scared of it. But the truth of the matter is, is you have the ability to pray for the sick and God heal them. You have that. But but it's easier for us to say, well, you know, you know I'm going to pray for you. And, and when God's ready, he'll do something. But sometimes you just need to understand. And, 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 and that's the work of the Holy Spirit to just say, you know what? Just take him by the hand and pray for him. And believe. And watch me go to work. I'm going to tell you guys, I, I, I got to brag for just a moment. Everybody knows Quincy, right? I mean, how can you not know Quincy? They go up to the hospital and they are at the hospital and the, the, the doctor comes in. And we, Hindu is what we think, she's a little Hindu doctor. And she's limping. And <laughs> she comes in and, and Kathy says, did you hurt yourself? And she said, yeah, I, I, I hurt my foot. And, and Quincy goes, I'll pray for you. And starts praying. Boom. She, the, the lady is like, I don't know what to do with this. Hey, you know what? I'd like, to, I, 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 I'd like to see what happened after that. Because here's the thing, folks. That intimidation that holds us back, man, that's what the Holy Spirit begins to change. So that you become fearless for God. Fearless for God. Through the help of the Holy Spirit, not only can the Great Commission be accomplished, but folks, we are so close, it could be accomplished in our lifetime. And and you'll read stats that will say, you know, that there's all these people that have not received Jesus Christ. But that does not mean that there is not the opportunity there. So don't underestimate that it could be accomplished in our lifetime. That's boldness of the Spirit of God to be in the marketplace and to be used by God to help other people come to the knowledge of Jesus. Because I said this before, let me say it again. There is only one thing that really is important to Jesus Christ, and that is that lost souls get saved. That's why he died. That's his his work, his will, and that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to because it's the holy spirit that does what? convicts of sin and convinces of righteousness. All right, I got to wrap up. Ah, I got 5 minutes. I'm doing good. Wait, wait, wait. John 15:5. Jesus said these words. He says, "I am the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing." Now, we read that, and of course, we we see Jesus saying this. But John 15 is in the midst of John 14, 15, and 16, whereby we have a lot of instructions about the Holy Spirit. Now, we know for a fact, as we've already talked about, that Jesus was with them, but by the Holy Spirit, he would be in them. So, when you read this right here, whoever abides in me, and I abide in him, how does The Lord abide inside of you by the Spirit. Okay? By the Spirit, you can bear much fruit. But without Him, you can't do anything. We can do nothing. Again, the reason why the church is often very ineffective is because it's trying to do the work of God without the power of God. Anybody of believers, and I'm going to say this, And I I believe it with all my heart. Anybody of believers that quenches the spirit and pretty much says, no, we don't want the spirits working in our midst. They they are signing a death sentence. It's just a matter of time till their church will wither up because without him, we can do nothing. Nothing. But I, I want to finish with this one more comment. You see, there was another group there that drew up a different opinion. The opinion they drew up was, well, they're all filled with new wine. Now, today we would say what? They're just drunk. They're just drunk. And the Bible says that they spoke it in a mocking way. And here's what I've learned through the years. That what people don't understand, sometimes they tend to discredit. If they don't understand it, they tend to discredit. Okay? Don't discredit the Holy Spirit's experience because you don't understand it. I challenge you to do the opposite. Okay? Just go into the Bible and read everything you can. I've got a particular couple that I've been visiting with. And we've been talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you know what my assignment is? Real simple. Go study everything you can about the Holy Spirit. Because here's the thing. If you don't impose what you want upon Scripture, but you ask the Lord to reveal to you what He wants you to get out of Scripture, then guess what? The Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. Amen. It's amazing. <clears throat> so I want to close with this. What God promised, He delivered. That's what He does, folks. That's what He does. Every promise He makes, He delivers. Everything he says is going to happen is going to happen because that's who he is a God of his word. And now the promised Holy Spirit was present to help God's people. Follow me, this is just my closing. The promised Holy Spirit is present to help God's people, which would be what? The church, do his will. And, this, and the same Holy Spirit is present today to help God's church do His will. And if they could not be successful without Him, what makes us think we can? And that's the reason why we should always pray, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, guide us, direct us, lead us, empower us, Bold, make us bold, make us fearless, because you have called us to take your love, the love of Jesus, to a lost world. Would you stand with me? Hallelujah. I just want to pray over you. Father in heaven, I praise you that you are Absolutely amazing. You know what we need more than we know. You prepared things for us that Lord, whether it's the Holy Spirit or whether it's it's, it's promises in the scripture, you have prepared things for us that Lord, we some way, somehow have convinced ourselves that it's not for us or for this time. But Lord, it is. You're the same God that did miracles. You're the same God today. You're saying power then is your power today. Your will then is your will today. Lord, I pray, bring the scriptures to life. And help us begin to see as we study the book of Acts. That this early church was right on point. And that, God, the best thing we can do in our generation is to get back on point. So that you can do in us what you did in them. And we can be to Lebeck County what they were to Jerusalem and Judea. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you.